Welcome to episode two of the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm John, the baseball Buddha Reimer. Second episode, I have this wide-ranging conversation with Mark Seaplug. Mark is the president of Vendura Industries and also the general manager of Ziogenics. We discuss his evolution as a leader. We talk about entrepreneurship and then also positioning Vendura Industries for growth. Mark also touches on the changing the mindset within Ziogenics people that he brings up J- jerry for one paul Scholes for another talks about his amtech days so amtech was a company jerry started in his basement in 1996 fast forward 18 years to 2014 builds it into a hundred million dollar a year company sells it for over 250 million dollars unbelievable he writes about all of this in a book called get unstuck the principles he used mark will allude to the single page plan The single-page plan is just a set of strategic initiatives and targets for the five pillars of business that Jerry has identified. Growth, customer delight, innovation, productivity, and GPTW, which stands for Great Place to Work. Mark touches on all that stuff, but also you have an opportunity to get this book, Get Unstuck. First 10 people that email me, mention this podcast, I'll send it to you, no charge. And I might even get Jerry to autograph it for you. If you email me at John, J-O-H-N, period, Reimer, R-E-I-M-E-R, at Ziogenics.com, X-I-O-G-E-N-I-X.com. Get yourself the book. Mark has a big personality. I love this guy. I met him only six months ago. I can best describe him as a very humble yet arrogant guy. Once you get to know him, once you hear him, I think you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Without further ado, I give you Mark Seapluck. Mark, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, I always like to answer that question kind of holistically and just say, married 28 years, father of three boys, very rambunctious boys. They're all grown up now. They're in their 20s. Comes from Milwaukee, educated in Milwaukee grew up in Milwaukee, and then was lucky enough through my path just to find myself and meet Jerry Gendusa back in the MTech days, and just was lucky enough to become part of that, the second half of my journey probably in life. So that's kind of holistically, that's kind of who I am. Where did you go to high school? Uh, so grew up on the far south side. I'm a Milwaukee public school kid, so I went to high school at Milwaukee Tech. Very proud of my time there. I love Milwaukee Tech. I support it to this day. Learned a lot there. That led me to Milwaukee School of Engineering. Took a job through a summer internship at Briggs & Stratton, which then got me into the automotive industry. Then jumped to aerospace with Jerry. Spent about eight years there. Learned a lot about manufacturing, about quality, about product, about process. ASQS, TS. Eventually ended up here. You were with uh, MTech for eight years. Why did you leave there? Well, MTech ended. Okay. So MTech ended. We sold in 14. And then Jerry said, hey, let's get the band back together and take these entrepreneurial tools that we developed here at MTech and let's try to redo it in a different industry. And what industry did you get into? We looked around for a long time. Uh, It's not an easy process. You could compare it to looking for a house, but there's a lot less things to look for because there's just a lot less businesses out there. Most of the businesses out there are distressed. Uh, They're either distressed financially, they're distressed process standpoint, distressed from a customer base. 
So most of them are underwater. That's why they're for sale, because if they're really good, they're usually not for sale, or if they are, it's a strategic buy. So we found this solid surface business out in Madison that we thought we could exploit because of the healthcare angle. So when you talk healthcare, when you talk solid surface, solid surface being a niche, so you kind of have a pseudo patent, pseudo corner on the market because it's such a niche product, not a lot of people do it. You're in healthcare, the markets, the margins are better. So that's what drew us to that. The other thing about healthcare is you don't have the ebbs and flows of the industry, right? As the economy goes up and down, healthcare tends to be much more stable. And that's vendor industries. You guys got into that six, 16, seven. October 25th of 2016. So then, but you worked for Jerry at Amtech for eight years. What did you learn? I was lucky enough, a very, very good friend of mine, Jeff Rosowitz, was already working for Jerry. Jeff's one of the smartest people I know in a lot of ways. Jeff talks me into coming to Mtech. At that point, I was a project manager, prod, product leader at Stratech, which was a spinoff of Briggs and Stratton. So I had a lot of experience from an engineering side, from a program management side, even from a customer side a little bit. wasn't Didn't have a lot of strong customer experience. I came there and was vulnerable. And I've always kind of been vulnerable in my career because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a geek that way. I'm an engineer, right? So what do I engineers do engineers fix things I always worked really hard to learn that's a good combination because when I came to MTech you drank from a fire hose and the simple fact of the matter is, is you were either gonna make it or you weren't it's that simple you were either gonna get through the onslaught of work and you're gonna learn and you're gonna grow professionally technically professionally behaviorally or you weren't. And that doesn't mean you leave, it just means you end up in a different role. I was smart enough to be vulnerable. I've always kind of been that my whole life. You know, if you open those ears up a little bit, you can either learn from your mistakes or you can learn from other people's mistakes. And I don't know where that came from, but figured out pretty early on in my career, if I shut up a little and I listen to the right people, I can really move things along. So then let's transition into, I think, where you're trying to go with this. So then when you go to MTech, so I was working at Stratech, and you move at a certain pace because they're a certain size company. It's not a knock on them. It's a great company, a great leadership there, Kathy Sherberth, Steve Gills, for great mentors of mine. I thank them to this day, but they moved at a certain pace, which we thought was pretty fast for automotive. You come to this crazy aerospace industry, Jerry's growing this thing at 30, 40, 50% a year. You make so many mistakes, you can't get too high on your horse. You're smart, you're confident. Other people around you are smart and confident, which I can't tell you how much I love working with smart people. But you made enough mistakes and you just keep going. It's another trait I've always had. Don't I? I've never been the best athlete. I've never been the smartest guy in the room. I've somehow, I've always decided that I was gonna out, if I couldn't outsmart you, I'm gonna outwork you. I was never the best looking. I was never the smartest. I was never the best athlete. I was going to work hard and I was going to get to where the hell I was going. And then when you go to MTech, it really worked. And then again, you were humble enough and kept humble enough, but you were growing and learning. Jerry sells MTech. You still work at MTech. How did that go? Not well at all. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, that's actually a great question. So we sell MTech June of 14. I think I lasted nine months. You go from this model of bottom-up management, 
flat structure, empowering people, caring about our customers, caring about our suppliers, caring about our staff. And then you go to this publicly traded company that you make your numbers every month and there's a drive to make those numbers and there's a pace to, and that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. They bought a culture, they bought a business, they bought a culture that comes with it and they changed that culture and that's their prerogative. They bought the company they paid a lot of money for the company, by the way. It just doesn't always work out for everybody in the company. It didn't work out for me because I want to do things a certain way and I want to invest in my customers, I want to invest in my people, and I want to invest in my supply base. And I think if you do that, the revenue is an output. Revenue is a lagging indicator. So were you able to be vulnerable and open and honest with the, the company that bought Amtech while you were there in those nine months? No. It's a New York-based company. They do certain things a certain way in New York, and obviously I'm stereotyping here a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. The company was highly successful. B Aerospace is a highly successful company. It's very well run, but it's just run different. And it's okay, There's you can run companies a different way. I don't think they had their customers' best interest in mind. They didn't have their supply base's best interest in mind, and I don't think they had their employees' best interest in mind. They ran things a certain way, very rigid, and it worked for them, and they made a lot of money. That was 2014, guys, by vendor Industries 2016. So, what did you do in the two year interim? <laughs> you're asking really, you don't know the answer to these questions, too, and you're asking really good questions. So, we're always staying in touch. Paul Scholes does a great job keeping us in touch. I literally took the summer off. So, June, I think it was June, May or June, and I got out of BE Aerospace and I was taking the summer off, and that lasted for like two weeks. And I bump into my wife's cousin who's starting an Indian motorcycle dealership in Muskego, Wisconsin. Indian motorcycle of Metro Milwaukee, I think the name of it is, Rob Schaff, great guy, great business. And I opened up an Indian dealership. No kidding. Never, really? never did retail in my life, didn't have any idea what I was doing. Rob's a super guy. I've known him as much of my adult life. So you ride motorcycles? Not at all. Uh, actually, another great question. I drove motorcycles when I was a young lifeguard right out of high school and in the college and almost died on one ass over tea kettles, double <laughs> compound fracture to my left femur, nine days in ICU. I have a steel rod in my left leg. Most people, if you no see shit. me with shorts on, my left leg is all screwed up. But I'm active today. I can jog. I can run. There's no, there's no. I'd like to hear more about this. Uh, you were a lifeguard? Oh, yeah. Some of the greatest job ever. My wife and I met, my wife Karen and I, my lovely wife Karen. I love you, Karen. <laughs> met as lifeguards. Uh, we both guarded for six years. Karen and I are the same age. We're three, born three days apart. We uh, didn't grow up in the same neighborhood, but we met at lifeguarding, same age, came through at the same time, graduated college at the same time. Milwaukee County lifeguard, great, best job I ever had. Greatest experience ever. Oh, really? Compared to MTech? Oh, oh, hands down. Because I don't get paid to drink and have sex here. Okay, I got you. And when you're a Milwaukee County lifeguard, <laughs> that's what you're paid to yeah, do. I mean, it's, it's that simple. I, really I love it. So that's how you met your wife when you were lifeguarding. When I was lifeguarding at, uh, we bumped into each other, I think we kind of knew each, because it's a small group. There's only like, I don't know the number, there's a couple hundred lifeguards. So you know, because she was really hot looking, and I was a pretty pretty decent water polo player, so we kind Kind of knew each other and then i think we worked winter crew a couple times in college 
And then that's when we started dating. And then after my accident, after I cracked up my bike, because we didn't see each other then for a little bit, and then I cracked up my bike and I met her at the Chancery on 27th Street. That was it. Ever since then, ever since that meeting, we're right. in love and it all Absolutely. Quick. Love it. The point, though, is her cousin Rob started this Indian dealership, and I love Rob. Rob's a great guy. He's one of the nicest guys I know, and he asked for my help. It wasn't, hey, do you want a job? It was, Mark, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm starting up this Indian dealership, and I'm a gearhead, and I, I just need somebody who understands business and numbers. And I'm like, yeah, how hard can it be, right? I mean, so I helped him out for about three months. So that was the summer. Uh, Paul Scholes from Breakthrough at that time stuck. Um, got me some consulting jigs, gigs after the dealership startup happened because I knew I didn't want to do this dealer, the, the, the dealership long term. That was just to help out Rob to get it going. So then Paul Scholes got me a couple gigs doing consulting work. And then we bought in August, October of 16. So that's kind of it. That kind of bridged the gap. And you had no experience in solid surface manufacturing. Correct. No experience in solid surface, no experience in the construction industry. But we we thought we could exploit the healthcare side because of margins, the pseudo protection of the product because there just wasn't that many. And we thought we could exploit that and grow it. Plus, it was a tiny company and it was distressed. It was financially distressed and it was behaviorally distressed. So there was all this work to be done. You know, I'm a firm believer that you don't want to, if you take a job, I just told this to my kid the other day my oldest son. I said, if you take a job at a company and they offer you the best run division, highest sales, best margins, best salespeople, or do you want the worst division, worst salespeople, worst margins, which one do you take? I said, you take the worst because there's only one way to go. The, the sky's the limit. You take the best, all you can do is screw it up. Everything we do is about behavioral change and it's all about people. Whether it's, it's, whether it's customers, whether it's suppliers or our own, obviously we focus on our own the most because we're with them all the time. So the individual tools, whether it's smart goals, whether it's uh, monthly must-do, can't, must-do, can't, miss, whether it's the visualization boards, whether it's gimbal walks, which obviously we didn't invent, those are all just tools to grow your people. So you come in, you use the disk analysis. I think we use culture index at that time. You do your, your talent evaluation. You start working with your people. Who are your superstars? Who can you lean on? Who do you coach up or coach out? And that's part of our process. So you just start implementing all those tools, but it's really at the end of the day, who are your high performers? Who are your superstars? Who are you coaching up and coaching out? Who are you growing? Who do you want to invest in? Guys bought Vendura. You go in there. What was the company situation before you got there? What was the first things you did to change? And what is it like now? Yeah, so so you come in. They're not pro they're break even. They're not profitable. Behaviorally, it's just your classic small company. So the owner, the old owner, which we replaced, was an authoritarian and everything flows across his desk everybody in the business is worried about themselves when a problem happens it's always you know i always have a joke about when a problem happens you watch your employees and everybody's first reaction is who do you blame right don't god forbid fix the problem god forbid ask what's the effect on the customer right we, we wouldn't want to do that right you worry about assessing blame um so a lot of that's going on so the very very first thing we do is i just immerse myself in the people the processes and we use and the people the processes are the easier part because you just start changing processes everything from and we started really on the sales side with quoting 
marketing and getting that all straightened out because obviously that all affects the P&L. But really you're evaluating, again, smart goal meetings, holding people accountable. But again, there's that word, getting them to be vulnerable. And that just takes time. And the best way to do that is to show that you're vulnerable and that when I make a mistake... The question is, coming back to vulnerability, why is that important in this situation? You can't grow unless you're self-aware. And I can't use you as an employee unless you're self-aware. So getting vulnerable with your employees and getting them to be vulnerable, which takes, to be honest with you, can take well over a year. David Rusher at Vendura, who I love like a, like a brother, he handled all our chemistry and he would hold all the recipes in these books. So picture on a bookshelf, there's like five or six of these 11 by 17 notebooks, big thick ones, like an inch thick, three quarters of an inch thick, and they're full of all the recipes. So Colony White and Tempest Peak, and they got all his scribble notes and everything. Finally, Jim's like, look, we got to get this in the database. So then when the salesperson sells Tempest Peak, the recipe poops out in production. Dave, so we tell go to Dave and we're like, hey, number one, we got to scan all these things because if this place ever burns down, it's, those are like the seven most important books in the entire company. So we're going to scan these and then Dave, we're going to start transferring all these recipes into the database so it's all controlled. He was freaking out because you're taking all this power that he has and you're taking it away from him. And it probably took him at least a year, if not two, to finally realize we're not taking this away from you. This is busy work. We need you to work on innovation. We need you to work on quality. We need you work. We need you to work on best standards and practices so we can make a consistent product every time and we can innovate and make new products. And we can't have you screwing around every day because you're tweaking the Tempest Peak recipe. Took him a long time. Once he came around and he sheds all of his fear of being fired and he, we're not trying to take anything away from him, totally different atmosphere. With so that's where you were with Inventor when you came in. You you went through that process with all the different little areas within the company? Yeah, I mean, you're talking 28 people, seven, eight people in the front office. So you're not talking about this on uh, scales of multiple divisions and hundreds of people like we had at MTech at the end. Obviously, MTech had the advantage of building that process where here you're coming in and you're start trying to turn a ship. Now, it's a small ship, so it didn't take that long. But to just give you an idea, I came in and there was roughly six to eight people in the front office, depending on who you include. They're all gone, except our office manager and Dave Rusher, the gentleman. So Christina Nagel, our office manager, Romanian-born orphan, and we'll talk about work ethic hopefully at some point, tell me that she hasn't seen hardships that you and I can't even understand. And then when I ask you to stay late to work on something, you can't do it because it's too much work. I don't care. I don't. I, I literally have no time for your conversation because I, I surround myself with people like Christina Nagel who understands and real misery and real hardship and overcoming something, becoming a citizen in the United States. She's had the biggest transformation of anyone at Vendura. So I'm actually getting choked up talking about her. She's gone through the biggest transformation of anybody. And then Dave Rusher, lowering his barriers, has really become this great valued employee. Those are the only two that made it. Everyone else couldn't make the transition. All the people in the front office. Correct. And then the guys in the back. More great questions. So we had a classic plant manager 
and then everybody works for the plant manager. There was a couple leads under the plant manager, but with the gentleman that was the plant manager was the plant manager. And I stuck with that model for a while. And then as I invested in my leads more, I basically came to a point of, look, this is a small company. We don't need a plant manager. So why don't I just eliminate that position, save the company some money, pay the leads more, and then grow these guys up. I basically have six leads now. Now that sounds like a lot for a small small company, and it is a lot, but they all have different roles. Like I'm not there today. I wasn't there yesterday, I'm not there today, I'm not gonna be there Friday. I'm only there two, three days a week now. They run the place, and they know how to, now this has taken a couple years, but we've grown these guys up internally. They're getting confidence in themselves. I mean, these are not college educated guys. These are high school educated. Every single one of them except one is Latino, meaning they came from Mexico or I think one of them might have come from Ecuador. I apologize. I don't remember the country. English is a second language for all of them. And we've grown these guys up. They run the place. And Christina couldn't be more proud of the work she's done. I couldn't be more proud of Christina and the group as to what they've done. I think this is a great segue to talk about work ethic. Yeah, this is a favorite subject of mine. You're probably gonna have to cut me off here. I, I'll, I'll try to be at least somewhat delicate. My father fought in Korea. So in the C-Pluck house, it was you were Americans. You were very proud of being an American. Sorry, getting a little emotional here. He fought at the front lines. This guy had a gun in his hand and killed people. There's just no other way to say it. He was not in the rear with the gear. Changed him forever, a little bit, little tiny bit of PTSD. Very proud of my father. My mother reminds me of Christina a lot. So my mother's second generation, Pol they're both Polacks. My mom was second generation Polak. This classic Eastern black woman. She's the strongest person I've ever met in my life. Nothing phases her. Okay, the house burned down. Okay, well, let's start cleaning up. Never complains. Had a stroke three years ago. I think about where I was born from and where I'm, where my mom was born to where my mom has now is going to pass away, hopefully not too soon. The, the growth they had. I think about my leads, where they were born, where they came from, where, the, where they're going to end up. I think about that all the time. It drives me. And when I talk to these college educated, silver spoon in mouth, my dad was an engineer. Now my kids, my kids are this now, right? Because but my kids, their father was an engineer. That's me. So I was not a very nice father to these guys. My kids have a work ethic because I can't stand that in people. I really, I got zero. It's I don't have many pet peeves. Laziness, making excuses. I just have no tolerance for. I just. There's, there's 175,000 active duty soldiers being deployed right now. How many how many Navy SEALs are we gonna lose this year? A lot of this goes back to military, sir, I'm kind of a military buff, but it's just the truth. Okay, so put the extra hours in. <laughs> exactly. Nobody shot at you today, right? There's no IED going off on the way home. All right, well then just put the extra hour in, make the trip, pick up the phone, call the customer. Do your job. Okay, do your job, quit your bitching. Can you speak about the young professionals that you work with? Here, I think we got a great crew of uh, people. People that are no longer here, you know, like you say, they work themselves out. You've obviously do this regularly because your questions are really spot, really spot on. So every generation looks at the generation after it and thinks, gee, everything's going to hell. And I think my parents probably thought that. In my generation, I, I hate generalizations, I hate stereotypes. 
I would rather just say work ethic's super important to me. I don't want to condemn an entire generation because they just think differently than you and I do. In a lot of ways, they're smart. They are smarter than us. I think that you lead people with your example. Leadership matters. One of the things that I'd be critical of today's psychology culture, psychology culture, is is there's this consensus building. I think there's a point of consensus. I think there's a there's a need for consensus at, at certain points. But the bottom line is leadership matters. Okay, Patton's Third Army didn't march across Europe because he was consensus building. Leadership matters. Maybe I'm not the best leader. Maybe I've got a lot of things to work on. I believe that leadership matters. And if you're going to be around me, I'm either leading or I'm letting you lead, but somebody's leading. We are not going to have a rudderless ship. Now, we may go off the cliff. We may be going in the wrong direction, but we're going somewhere. And I like to think we're normally going in the right spot. One more comment about this. We look at these professional athletes today, and I think the average person has zero comprehension of what it takes to be a professional athlete today. I think that these guys are incredibly talented and... They work incredibly hard. And I'll draw a parallel to business people. We look at some of these business people, we look at Elon Musk, and he's, he's easy to poke fun at. Yeah, he's kind of overweight, and he's really flamboyant, and he says outrageous things, and he probably doesn't really work that hard, and he's just really smart, and he really got lucky. And I bet you that none of us could put in the day that that guy puts in. I bet you none of us could make the decisions on a minute after minute. I think this guy's making gajillion dollar decisions every second. He processes the information. I bet you his work ethic is unbelievable. And I think that, so when you talk about work ethic, gotta be talent and work ethic coupled together. And if you don't have both, you only go so far. Give me your thoughts about entrepreneurship, what that means to you and how you think about it. So first of all, just a couple just a couple comments. Number one, I do think they're born, not made. I'm not an entrepreneur. I've been around Jerry enough that I have some of the traits, but that's a learned behavior. So they're born, not made, and that's, that's not a knock on all the universities that have entrepreneurial programs now. To talk about the country, because I like to look at things in macro terms, it's just the way my freaky brain works. The United States of America is the greatest country to ever bless the face of this earth. Constitutional Republic coupled with capitalism is unique and is successful and has driven this country literally from nothing to where we are today. And when you talk about entrepreneurs, you talk about Carnegie, right? You talk about Edison. You talk about the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, Gould. Most of these guys weren't after the money because if they were after the money, they would have stopped a long time before they passed away. Henry Ford didn't do it for the money. So yes, you're right. It, it is all about maybe maybe some of its ego. That's okay. They're not doing it for the money. And the work ethic's incredible. I think the number of decisions, again, back to Elon Musk, the number of decisions, the intelligence. It upsets me. I get old, I'm older now, so I hear people make comments about uh, sports fit people or business owners or why do they do it that way or that's so stupid or they don't know what it's like to be the common man and I you know I just have such a different perspective now there's so many decisions that get made smartly one of the things you always hear CEOs make too much money gee I wonder what the CEO of Kmart is worth because Kmart's gone right so how many jobs got destroyed because that got mismanaged How's Sears doing? Because last time I checked, they went through bankruptcy. Again, being vulnerable, people don't like to admit 
that we all have ceilings. I'm not Jerry Gendusa. And I, and I tell this to Jerry when we get mad at each other. I'll literally just say to him, look, I'm not you. I, I can't do that, okay? It doesn't make me a bad person. I just have a certain ceiling, and I'm really good at certain things, and I'm not so good at others, and I can work on my faults, and I can work to improve, and I do every day. But I'm, you know, I am who I am, and I have a certain ceiling. And I'm not as smart as Roger Goodell, who runs the NFL. Roger Goodell makes too much money. Well, I don't know. It's a $10 billion industry. You think you could run it? Because I don't think I could. I just, so we all have ceilings. We all have roles. And I'm not saying you should be complacent, right? Because I've never been complacent. I look at back at this kid who went to Milwaukee Public Schools that was born on the south side of Milwaukee, whose dad worked at a thick parking meters for the city of Milwaukee, and his mom was a baker. Sounds like you you can't you grew up similar ways. There's no way I should be where I am today. I am out over my skis. And there's a lot of people that got me here. I didn't do it all alone by far. So there's a lot of people that helped me get where I am. So don't be complacent, but also understand who you are. Maybe that's kind of the behavioral, one of the things we talk about behaviorally, but we don't understand, we don't really say. Understand who you are. And that I know I know who I am. People have said to me, don't you want to run a company? There's certain skill sets that just are not in my repertoire. And I'm okay with that. I used to not be okay with that, but the older I get, it's like, you know what? I'm pretty good in this lane here. So let's do the best I can do there and raise everybody else up. Ziogenics, we're hiring a new president here. Well, Jerry didn't give me that job. I didn't expect him to, because I understand what the president at Ziogenics needs to do, and I understand the skill set that it requires, and I don't have that. And that's okay. You bring a skill set that was sorely lacking. I want to get from Vendura to Zyogenics, but I want to finish up with Vendura. So you've been with a Vendura from 2016 to present. Have you gotten it profitable? Is it working out the way you thought it would? What challenges and successes have you had there? So we've completely transformed the business financially and completely transformed the business behaviorally. The thing runs on its own. Now, are we still challenged financially? Yes, we are. It's an industry that we were ignorant about. We shouldn't have got into construction. It's very much a cost plus margin type market. It's a cost plus margin type business. And although we're able to leverage the healthcare industry, we weren't able to leverage it the way we want. My skill set is not sales. I can do it, I can play it. I can go through the motions and I'm somewhat successful at it. The thing that we're lacking right now is a breakthrough salesperson that can really take the sales to that of that company really to the next level. We run like a watch now. The place runs on its own. It's pretty much an automatic pilot. Do we have improvements to make? Absolutely. In general, it runs pretty darn smooth. Very proud of the people there. Very proud of Christina. Very proud of Dave. My leads, I, I look at it like my sons. So yeah, we are where we want to be. The next move for us is really to find a young site leader that can take that sales to the next level. I'm going to talk about that a little bit because um, now I'm older and I look back and hindsight's 2020. The opportunity for a young professional business development salesperson at Ventura. I would say either out of high school that's motivated or just getting out of college, 
I would love that opportunity. You said it best, right? We're older. We look hindsight's twenty twenty vision. I look at this opportunity for someone to come in. We will teach you. We will show you. We will groom you. We will bend you. We're not going to break you, but we're going to bend you, and we're going to. And if your disc profile looks correct, and you can, if you got a great work ethic, you're going to be in three years. You're going to be on top of the world. You're going to be running your own company. I'm not even going to be out there. I'll be out there as a board level to say, hey, are we still running? Our best practices working? Is the system working? It's an incredible opportunity. Any of the breakthrough companies, Ardent, Ziogenics. Vendura, if you're a young person or even a middle or you're even a person in your middle of your career, but looking to really grow behaviorally, more importantly professionally, you'd be a fool not to come work here. Why are you at Ziogenics? On a blocking and tackling level, there needed to be some behind the scenes running of the company, the block, the offensive line, running and tackling and blocking every day that needs to be done. Jerry was, you know, it's trust. We move at the speed of trust. Jerry trusts me. He knows what my, he, I'm not going to come in here and change our sales plan, which we didn't need. Ziogenics has a great sales staff and has a great sales plan. We really needed help on the back end. And over the last, I don't know, six months, nine months it's been, whatever it's been, I think we've made really great strides. Jerry's leadership, my help. I like to talk about the struggles, the challenges, the leadership skill sets that were in place prior to you coming in. Mm-hmm. We're lacking. Honest and it's straightforward. And if we can't be vulnerable and we can't be honest, and if egos get in the way and really take an honest, open look at that, we got serious problems. Changes had to be made. We got a new president coming in beginning of the year. Can you touch a little bit more on what you feel that has happened at Ziogenics the last three months and especially the last month with everybody in the back, the engineers, and even with BD because you've touched all those areas? I think you can break it down into some real simple things. Really good communication. And this is all under leadership, right? Because leadership matters. So this is all under leadership. Really good communication. Communication of the plan, communication of expectations, holding people accountable, doing it in a way that's strong but flexible. I mean, I say that to people all the time. I talk to Tommy and Jim out on the floor. Okay, this is what we're doing. Boom, 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 boom. Guys, if I'm wrong, just say so, right? We're I'm not I'm not doing this to be right. This is not about me being right. This is about us being efficient. So it comes in, it's about communicate, it's about leadership, it's about communication, it's about expectations, it's about having a plan, it's about setting expectations, it's about, and it is about driving, which is really expectations. And you do that verbally, you do that by the amount of hours you're in the building, right? It's about meetings starting on time, it's about things getting done, it's about moving at a certain clip, right? We're here to make people's lives better through the products we do. It's about making our employees' lives better, it's about making our supply base stronger, and it's about helping our customers. Well, I wanna finish up here real quick, but what is that one thing that, at the end of the day, that made this all worthwhile? I mentioned Christina Nagel earlier. To see her go on and be successful, seeing her grow, seeing my leads grow, seeing the kids here grow. So I think it's all about who you leave behind. That includes your kids. You understand that. You're proud of your daughter. You're proud of Sammy, and you should be. You know, it's about who you leave behind and what fertile ground you've left. So that's the way I look at it. I remember reading this one time. You know, if a leader leaves and then the company goes sideways, 
then that leader really wasn't doing their job, right? That was an authoritative type position and they were controlling everything. If a leader leaves and the company is able to continue to prosper and grow, then they've really done their job because they've, they've left people and process in place. I love that. That is so true. I've always said I got to train my replacement. Right. But you have to be vulnerable to do that. Absolutely. I'm going to leave it there. Vulnerability is such a key to everything. I think Jerry and I talked about it. No, you and I talked about it. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Mark.